Welcome back to another episode of Car Care for the Clueless. I'm Pam Oaks, your host. We're coming to you via webtalkradio.net. Our show is based on my book, Car Care for the Clueless, or how you can make money while maintaining your vehicle. And isn't it great to make money? Especially when it comes to car repair, how we hate to go to get our car worked on. But through this radio show and through my book, you too can become car savvy and learn how to make money by maintaining your car. You know, I've been doing this for quite a few years. Actually, I've owned my own shop and I'm a working owner for the past 17 years, as well as an ASC certified technician. I've seen a lot. And it's always interesting when I get a chance to talk to my customers to find out what they really, really want to ask about their car or some myths that they may have heard and they want clarified. So we're going to start today's program by talking to them. We're going to be talking, of course, to Peter Sudak, our gadget guru. And another thing that we're going to be adding, which I should have done long ago because that's the whole premise of the show is to make sure that you're making money off of your investment, your car, truck, what have you, we're going to be going over the different trouble service bulletins and recalls that you may or may not have heard for your vehicle. And I have one here that probably hits on about 90% of all cars today. So let's get started with my customers. First on the list is Jack. And Jack has a very interesting question for us regarding that mystery noise in your engine compartment. How do you know if it's okay or if it's not okay to drive. I'm here with Jack from Florida, and Jack has an automotive question. The engine on my car is quiet, but as soon as I put it in gear and there's power on it, I get a knocking sound. I don't know whether it's in the engine or somewhere else. You know, anytime your vehicle makes an unusual noise, something that you're not accustomed to, that's the time to take it in and have your ASC certified technician Take a look-see and see what's going on. Remember that domino effect. Earlier you catch a problem, the cheaper it's going to be for your wallet. Now, the sounds that Jack was listening to, it could have been several things that anyone could have guessed at by just talking to a tech. It could have been the belt tensioner he heard clicking back and forth. A belt tensioner is exactly what it says. It keeps the tension on the belt and they're spring-loaded and they have plastic and the plastic breaks down and sometimes they will make a clicking sound especially when you put a load on the engine putting a load on the engine means that you put it in gear reverse drive and from that point it will put more stress on the belt and therefore give you a clicking noise another noise that he could have heard was another common noise the injectors click if you lift the hood you can actually hear the injectors clicking away and this is a normal noise but for whatever reason that he may have popped the hood and he was looking for this first noise and he heard the injectors he may have thought oh it's that noise and that's okay so let's keep on driving No, you always have it checked. When in doubt, have it checked. The other noise that he could have heard was from either a lifter, which is in the upper end of the engine. It's a metal component. It's part of the hardware of the engine and the cylinder head. And when engines are low on oil, for whatever reason, people don't check that lately. That's another story to come later on. That can make noise. And it could be something as simple as just 
having to add a quart of oil. Now before you do this, you need to have the oil level checked, of course on a flat surface, and if you're unsure how to do this, then again you ask your ASC certified technician. This is a freebie, folks. I mean, they're there to help you. Take advantage of it. The worst noise that he may have been listening to would be the lower end making a noise. The lower end of the engine, the engine block. There again you have mechanical components that are working in sync with the upper end of the engine and unfortunately they wear like all of us do and when that wearing gets to a certain point and it has reached its mechanical limit then this too can make a lower end knocking noise. Frankly when it starts doing that from past use and abuse but when it finally does make that noise it's not good. Sometimes you can catch it that you can do a repair, costly repair, but still a repair to keep the engine going because, you know, it's cheaper than buying a new engine or, my gosh, a new car. So whenever you hear a noise knocking like that, you address it immediately. Take it to your ASE Blue Seal shop, have your ASE technician take a look at it, and find out what the noise is. Never, ever guess. So for Jack's original question about the engine making a noise, what could it be? It could be any one of the 50,000 plus moving parts in the engine and it's always good to have it checked out by a professional. Well, I hope we all learned something about noise in the engine compartment and how it's not something that you take too lightly. Find out as soon as you can. That means like yesterday. Don't wait a week or two. That's just going to take more money out of your wallet. Next, we're going to have Jeff. Jeff had an interesting question about being stuck in stop-and-go traffic or in a traffic jam. And we get them on interstates. We get them in town. And let's see what Jeff has to say. I have Jeff from Florida, and Jeff has an automotive question for us. Hi, Pam. Uh, I drive quite a bit, and occasionally I find myself stuck in traffic. And as the car has a tendency to overheat, is it recommended to keep the AC on, or what is the best procedure when you're in a traffic tie-up? Well, you know, the first key for longevity of your car, your engine, is to never, ever, ever let it overheat. And sometimes, unfortunately, we are placed in situations such as a traffic jam or extended idling in very, very hot weather. And you need the air on, the temperature's up, and most of us have experienced that this past week or two. So you know where I'm coming from. Well, you know the car gets hot too. And unfortunately, when it gets hot, it stresses, and the mechanical limits can only go so far with an overheated engine. A couple of tips that will help the temperature from going any further. First of all, never let the vehicle idle more than 10 minutes if you can help it. This is hard on the car. It's not like cars 25, 35 years ago where they actually had steel cylinder heads and steel blocks. These are aluminum, much more impressionable upon the environment around it. So don't let it idle more than 10 minutes if you can help it. If you're stuck in traffic and you notice that needle starting to go up, put the car in neutral while you're sitting there. Of course your foot's on the brake, but put it in neutral. That's going to take a lot of the load off the engine. And the other thing is, believe it or not, put the AC on. 
there are cooling fans in the front of the vehicle and on the newer vehicles the last 15 20 years now they have two stage fans you put the AC on it's going to make the fan run quicker providing more air across the radiator and across the condenser to cool the car down this is a good tip but there again we don't want you sitting there idling for an extended time this is just not good for the car um, another tip if it's kind of cool out and you're stuck in a traffic jam and the other option is to turn the heater on get the antifreeze circulating into the heater core and back out you'll actually see the temperature drop by using the heat now you don't want to use the heat if it's blazing hot out and if it's cool out you prefer not to use the AC well you do have these two options for you and this should take care of if you get stuck on the interstate or in town there's an accident you're stuck at the light and nothing too much you can do either turn the AC on if it's hot outside or turn the heater on if it's cooler outside and this should help bring the temperature back to the normal range if it does get warmer than the normal range you need to wherever you're at turn the car off period no one's going to be paying for your repairs no one's going to care how much your repair belt is and you're going to be stuck paying for a costly repair that could have been prevented had you just got on the side of the road and turned the car off trust me it's not worth it save yourself the time save yourself the aggravation and heartache and save yourself the money you put your money in the wallet you can take it for a vacation whatever you've heard me talk about saving money on car repairs do this do not let the car go out of range at all do not let the car get warmer than normal for an extended period save your car be good to your car and it'll be good back to you you know that's very important because you never know when a car is going to get you out of an emergency even so remember don't let it overheat our next customer is going to be Bill Bill uh, was telling us a story before recorded his question and he said that he had heard of someone whose spouse said that they were allergic to the gas station and that's why they could not add fuel to their family vehicle well this probably is true but still you need to let the other spouse know when it's time to get fuel in your car so this kind of prompted Bill's question and um, well let's listen to it I have Bill with us today from Tennessee and Bill has a car question for us how many miles do I have left when the gas gauge says empty well you know this is a very dangerous situation to put yourself into letting your fuel go down to empty um, empty means empty it means that it needs fuel it needs gasoline or diesel depending upon make and model but there's no guessing uh, first of all if you were in a situation that you needed emergency transportation and the tank was on E empty how do you know you're gonna make it to your destination uh, even though you had gone in the past and you have kind of gauged maybe you get 10 more miles out of it 20 more miles you don't know because you really don't know where that needle sits and plus if you keep that up 
it's going to burn out the fuel pump. Everybody knows that the fuel pumps are located in the fuel tanks nowadays and not on the uh, cylinder head or engine block, depending upon make and model, of course, but they're located in the tank. The fuel pump relies upon the actual fuel in the tank to keep it cool, oddly enough. You'd think there'd be a fire, but not. Without that fuel to keep it cooled off, you are overheating the pump. Well, you do this enough, and eventually, and this goes back to the emergency scenario, what happens if the pump fails and you have a crank no-start situation and you're trying to get to the hospital? You're, you're stuck. It's not worth it. I mean, it really truly is not worth pushing it to the limit. You're pushing the fuel pump to its mechanical limits, and, you know, it's got to be stressing you out a little bit, too. So please, please, please don't let the fuel go below a quarter of a tank. When the car gets below a quarter of a tank, there is a threshold just past the quarter where the vehicle will go into a diagnostic mode, and that's for us technicians. That's not for you. But continuing on, this diagnostic mode, this is where you're going to see diminished fuel economy. Another reason why not to let your vehicle go below a quarter of a tank. You have diminished fuel economy, and when that happens, basically you're wasting money, and it's going to take another, almost another tank to get it back to normal again. So why even do that? Think of the money you could be saving by keeping it where it belongs, keeping the MPG up, and keeping the fuel pump cool at the same time. No-brainer. Uh, the other thing, too, is that people don't realize is that by letting it get to E or empty, you're bringing up other drivability issues. You could be having a uh, false uh, stumble or stall, and that's because it's so low on fuel that it's just pulling air. You could trigger a false code on the programmable command module, the PCM, that runs the engine components because it's picking up air because there's no fuel or very little fuel and it's getting a very thin mixture or may think that it's reading lean and it's not. There's a whole plethora of things that you're just introducing to your vehicle and unnecessarily and each time you have to have your vehicle repaired or looked at, that costs money. Money that you could be putting in your wallet. Remember, we want to save money on car repairs. So we need to be using common sense. Common sense, don't let your gas gauge go below a quarter tank. Period. Don't push it. Don't see how far you're going to get. It's not worth it. You know, it's so funny that this topic came up because on my way over uh, to do our weekly show, one of the technicians got in the car and the customer was having a drivability issue. They turned the car on, pulled out of the parking spot, and went around the building to come into his bay. And alas, no gas. Car stopped and it had to be pushed into the bay. Well, you know, the customers get in charge for us stopping, pushing the car in the bay. They get charged for one of the oil change techs to go down to get fuel in a gas can. They get charged for the fuel and the time it's sitting in the bay. Plus, they're in there for a drivability issue. I mean, you would think maybe that that could be the problem. Hopefully, they've learned something today, and hopefully you've learned by listening to our show. And if you're just tuning in, this is Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host, Pam Oaks. And today we're talking to my customers regarding their car care questions. Also, we're going to be going over some trouble service bulletins from the manufacturers. 
for actually for your Ford, your Honda, your Mini Cooper, Oldsmobile, Volkswagen, Chevrolet, you name it. We have a bulletin for you today. But next, we're going to have Peter Sudak, our gadget guru. He's going to be giving us another economically priced gadget for your vehicle for the summer vacation travel. Let's give Peter a call. Hello, this is Peter. How can I help you? Hey, Peter. This is Pam. How are you doing today? Good, Pam. How are you doing? Good, good. You sound much better from your allergies. Yeah, they're slowly going away. I know. That summer mold and mildew will yep. sure catch up to you, especially in the cars. That's for sure. So uh, what do we have this week for well, your car well, gadget? What we have today is a USB adapter for the car, and what it is is a unit that plugs into a cigarette lighter or a power outlet, and it's got two ports for USB cables that you can use for your telephone or your iPod maybe if it comes with that and you can use your computer on it. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> yes, uh, ho- it hopefully the people have enough sense to have the passengers use it and not the drivers so that you, you know, know the drivers like to text and all those other things. Yeah. You know that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, now the driver is going to be online and trying to drive. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to have well, another new would, law. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure there's instructions that do not drive and do this at the same time, but, you know. Well, you know as well as I do, do they listen to when we give out car advice? Heck no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they think that they're the exception to the rule. Yep. And, you know, the rule is physics, and guess what? That's who makes up the rules. Yep, we have to buy right. by them. Yeah, it's just basically for passengers. So if you're taking a long trip, you know, they can goof around on their computer. They can go online and goof around and things like that to keep them occupied if they're bored. It's just, you know, another thing to for the trip, you know, where the kids can play their games or mm-hmm. you know, what have you. But basically that's what it's for. It's not for people to plug in their own laptop while they're driving so they're trying to do a get a presentation ready online and ship it to somebody while they're doing 80 miles an hour down the freeway. That's not what it's for. <laughs> you know, Pass- passengers only. They they have it so good nowadays. I remember when we'd go on a family vacation, you take a couple of books and the rest of the time would be occupied aggravating your sister. Yeah. You know? Just looking out the window or, yeah. Uh, yeah, me being the youngest of five Five brothers, yeah. You can imagine how fun that was. (laughs) (laughs) No, we used to have the uh, sedans where you could take a really good, healthy swing at your sister and miss. Not like the cars of today. No. Definitely be contact these days, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why they have these uh, devices like that USB port. That's right. Keep them occupied. Well, that's pretty interesting. You know, um, need to make note that not all car... uh, outlets are the same and make sure that how many amps your specific device that you're going to plug into uh, coincides with how many amps that specific socket takes too. Because the sockets take sometimes take 15 some will handle 20 but Mm -hmm. uh, you need to make sure that your computer or whatever device you're using is not going to pull any more than that so exactly otherwise you're just going to keep blowing fuses it isn't going to work and Mm -mm. you know it kind of defeats the purpose of the buying the whole thing so sure does and you know you could find that out you guys at your uh, local uh, computer store or wherever you purchased your iphone or your blackberry etc from they would be able to tell you if it's compatible or not because how many times peter have we seen people come in and they've complained that there's a problem with their car 
because their outlet's not working, and you find out it's the actual device they're plugging into it. Yep. Even sometimes I've found that they have they don't have the cap on there, you know, like a cigarette lighter normally would. Mm-hmm. And the fuse keeps blowing, and they can't figure out why. They look down in the center of it, and there's a coin in there. <laughs> That's right. That's another Shorts one, too. It as soon as the penny drops in there, it just shorts it right out every yes, time. And then they could... Oh, I can't figure out why this doesn't work. And you dig the penny out of there, like, hey, it works now. Exactly. I can't, uh, I don't have enough hands and toes to count how many times I've taken coins out of those little outlets. Yeah. And then the people feel, you know, they just kind of look at you like with this deer in the headlights, looks like, oh my God. It, they feel, <laughs> unfortunately, they feel kind of stupid, but, you yeah. know, it's just. That's life. That happens to all of us. Yeah, happens to the best of us, yes. We're all human. Yep. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty neat. So how much does this little gadget cost? Uh, it's around 45 bucks. It's not, not too bad for, for what it does. That's pretty reasonable, actually. I sure thought it is. I just, when I saw it, I thought it was going to cost a lot more than that, being something relatively new and something, you know, that convenient. And, of course, they're going to gouge you when it first comes out so they start selling some. But mm-hmm. 45 bucks ain't bad. That's not bad for a dual-port USB. No, no. Yeah. I've seen the singles, but not dual. It's that's yeah. pretty good. Not to give any anybody ideas, but yeah, you could put your laptop and a printer in there, couldn't you? Yes, you could. You mm. Gotta make sure, yeah. It's dangerous. You got, you got the one outlet. Yeah, you got if you're doing two two devices, make sure it can handle it too, so you don't end up blowing fuses and just kind of ruining the fun for everything as well. So yeah, you gotta pay attention to that. I was just thinking of the driver paying attention to the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not for drivers, passengers only. I can't emphasize that enough. That's part of the safety as well. Just please, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Peter. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a cool little gadget when I saw that. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, people want to do work, whether heading out of town or heading for a business meeting or trying to get last-minute stuff done, they can do it while the other guy's driving. So, Good idea. Yeah, that works out good. Yes, it is, and it keeps everybody... Uh, Quiet and calm in the back seat while they're on that family trip. That's true. <laughs> no more of, he's looking at me, he's touching me. Yeah, he's looking at me, yeah, I know. You're just yeah, too engrossed with the game, Stop that's it. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, we'll talk to you next week, Peter, and All thank right. you again. All right, sounds good, thank you. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Ah, what this generation missed from the previous generations, car trips and poking at your siblings and just driving mom and dad nuts in the front seat. Well, next, uh, we're going to go on to our trouble service bulletins. You know, this is something that all ASC certified technicians uh, have access to, something that you can't find online. I came across one of them this week that actually uh, gave me the idea to pass this along to you. In fact, I found it on a application trouble service bulletin site that, of course, we have to pay each month to gain access to. And not only does it include Honda, Mini Cooper, Olds, Ford, this actually goes back to um, some vehicles from 1989. If you're still driving a 1989 vehicle, it goes that far back and what it is it's regarding exterior lighting and actually people don't realize that for an example Ford doesn't make their own headlights Ford contracts with somebody to make their headlights and Oldsmobile doesn't make their own headlights they're also contracted and Honda and Toyota 
They don't make their own headlights either. Again, it's all farmed out. Well, the specific manufacturer, they uh, picked up a defect in the headlights and actually they are recalling quite a few aftermarket headlamps of various models sold on, um, like I said, vehicles from 1989 through 2002. It's regarding the reflective properties in the back of the headlights, that a reflective paint in the headlights, and this is to make the headlight more luminous. So they have a recall, and the recall campaign number, get your pens out, 08-ECHO-0-50000, 50000. And they're supposed to be getting a hold of people regarding this if their car's included, but uh, possibly not. And if you happen to notice that your headlights aren't as bright as they should be, this is excluding that nasty glaze you get on the front, which can be uh, addressed by one of those kits that Peter talked to us quite a while ago that removes that nasty glaze. This is actually inside the lens. The National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, and they can help you out. The phone number is 1-800-424-9393. Again, that's 1-800-424-9393. And it's on the campaign number 08, E is an echo, 05 It's for the headlight campaign and all you need is your vehicle identification number. You can find that on your insurance card, on the dash of the vehicle, on the driver's inside door. Just give them that vehicle identification number and they'll see if you're included in the campaign. The next campaign I came across uh, was a couple of days ago for a customer that they were not aware of. They try to get a hold of everybody, but when you have almost 400,000 vehicles affected, sometimes letters get lost in the mail, I guess. And this is for Honda and Acura products from 2001 through 2003. And it's a recall on certain models, the Accords, the Civics, the CRVs, the Odysseys, uh, the Acura 3.2 TLs, and uh, Honda Pilot, Acura 3.2 CL. You need to find out if you're part of the campaign number and get your pen ready. 10V as in Victor, 041000. Again, that's 10V as in Victor, 041000. And this is actually for the airbags. We talked about airbags last week. And they're having a little issue with if the airbag deploys that it's keeping all the outside packing, the nasty metal case and so on and so forth, away from the consumer. So they started this campaign February of last year. If you're not sure if you moved or if you just purchased the car used and you're not sure if your car is included in this campaign, Honda has a special phone number. It's 1-800-999-1009. Again, that's 1-800-999-1009. They want your car back so they can give you this free repair. Best price in town, folks. It's a free repair. So please, if your car is included in this, do it for your safety, and it's the right price. It is free. If you have any other questions and you can't get a hold of Honda, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, again that's 1-800-424-9393, 1-800-424-9393. Well the times passed quickly again this week and our half hour is up. 
I'm Pam Oaks, host of Car Care for the Clueless, coming to you via webtalkradio.net. And if you want to listen to our past performances, you can go to the archive section of Web Talk Radio, Car Care for the Clueless, and just look them up and uh, catch up to where we're at right now. I'm going to be joining you again next week discussing more car care issues and how not to repair your car, but how to have your car repaired by an ASC certified technician. If you'd like to purchase my book, Car Care for the Clueless, or how you can make money while maintaining your vehicle, go to amazonbooks.com backslash books, or go to our website, carecareforthecluelist.com, all spelled out one word, or you can go to my shop website, pamsmotorcity.net. Either way, you'll be able to get in and see about car care issues, pick up a copy of our book, and all together, along with this radio show, it's my mission to make you a savvy car care consumer. And take care until next week.